When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. All right, let's talk about it. Yep, money debt, getting your finances in order, the things that can be a little uncomfortable to talk about and sometimes hard to even do, but something that we all need to be doing. So today I am talking with Jessie Fearon. Her family was able to pay off over $55,000 of consumer debt even as they were expanding their family. Paying off debt isn't easy, but I love that Jessie's story shows us that it's 100% doable even if you're in a crazy season of welcoming new members into your family. She's going to share the ways that we can embark on the debt-free journey successfully, what that really looks like, how long it can take, and some practical steps to get started. So if you are ready to take charge of your finances, to take control, and really have a little bit more clarity on your finances, to climb out of debt, or just make better decisions as you are growing your family, as you are growing in your career, this episode is for you. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive right into this conversation on all things debt, money, and taking charge of your finances. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jesse, welcome to the show. How are you? I am good, Jordan. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I am doing very well. Really looking forward to talking to you today. This is a subject that we get asked about all the time. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and uh, diving into all things finances and paying off debt and being better stewards. So it is going to be hopefully, a, I think it'll be a really fun couple couple minutes here, half hour, 30 minutes here. It'll be great. Well, I guess I'm excited. I'm I'm so excited to to share a story and to just hopefully um, empower others to take charge of their finances because it has blessed us in more ways than one, in more ways that we could have ever dreamed possible. Yes, absolutely. I am on the same page with you right there. I actually think that'd be a great place to start. Do you want to give us a little background on your story and what led you to where you are today? Um, sure. So our story actually started um, seven years ago. Um, We had an eight-month-old baby, and we had found that we were pregnant with baby number two, and um, we also discovered that we were going broke. (laughs) Always a fun fun discovery. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. It's always a very fun discovery. You know, what's funny is that it's really not shocking, because if we had been paying attention, we would have thought Mm. coming along before it ever actually did. Yeah. but, you know, we were, um, so we discovered we were both. And um, my husband was only making um, right about $47,000 a year. And we were living on just his income. 
just so I could stay home with the kids because um, here in Metro Atlanta, childcare is very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense for me to go back to work to my corporate job because over half of my paycheck would have been mm-hmm. going towards the daycare. And so we knew that we wanted me to continue staying home. But again, there was no money. And so as we were trying to figure all of this out, um, we kind of came to this, like this realization that in order to make this work, we were going to have to get very real with our money mm. um, and stop just sort of pretending that we knew what our money was doing. And so, you know, we actually, I, you know, I, I don't like to use the word budget too loosely because some people get really freaked out by that word. Mm-hmm. But what we did is we just wrote down how much money was in our checking account because let's face it, we didn't have anything in savings. <laughs> and we wrote down the bills that were coming up and we wrote down like the expected expenses like groceries and fuel mm-hmm. and realized that there was literally not enough money. Mm-hmm. And that realization just, you know, propelled us into getting ourselves out of debt, getting away from um, the silly mistakes we had made of swiping the credit card to buy all these things mm-hmm. um, and having the car loan. Like, you know, after we had our oldest, we kind of felt like, oh, well, mom's got to have the, the big fancy SUV that's got the DVD player in the back and all that. But of course, that was a nearly $20,000 car loan. Mm-hmm. And then we had my student loans on top of that. And so all of that compounded on each other. And that's how we ended up not having enough money to really make ends meet. And so um, that's where the story really starts is just that we recognized very quickly that if we didn't change anything, um, not only were we going to go broke, but also our dream of me continuing to stay home with mm. our children as our family grew was going to slip away. There would literally be no other option but for me to go back to work. Mm. Um, and that wasn't something that either one of us really wanted at that time. Wow. So the first step for you was really getting real about here's where we're actually at and here's uh, what this is actually looking like. And I am so thankful to hear that you really did that because getting a clear financial snapshot and that you're sharing that part of the story of like, nope, there wasn't enough is sometimes terrifying for people. Would you, would you say it was almost like a punch to the gut for you when you discovered that? Oh, absolutely. Cause I have an accounting degree. <laughs> just, my education to, is in. just to make it worse. <laughs> Jeez, salt in the wound. <laughs> exactly. So let's just rub some salt in that wound, you yeah, know, like, I wow. mean, so absolutely. Because, you know, that's the thing is that, um, I think what happens a lot is that, you know, um, it's kind of like we can see that storm brewing on the horizon. Um, so we either decide, okay, the storm's brewing on the horizon. I'm going to pretend it's not there, or I'm going to, overreact about the storm we always tend to do one or the other Mm. we make the storm much bigger than it really is or we underplay the storm instead of just actually sitting down and facing the storm and saying okay this is exactly what it is now what do we do about it Mm. um instead we get scared about that because the moment we do that we accept responsibility to do something about it Mm. and that's the scary step is the taking responsibility for our money and for our actions um that you know will lead to whatever possible outcome that we hopefully desire. <laughs> right, right. That's such a good way to put it, to either overreact or just minimize it when in reality, it's almost like just accept what it is and then make a plan. And it's so much easier said than done. But I, I just want to highlight that because I know sometimes one of the biggest reasons we don't take charge of our money. This was something that for a long time, you know, it's like if you don't have a super clear picture and things seem generally fine. I remember there was in our when we first got married and things were enough. It seemed like every I mean, our bills were getting paid, but we didn't actually feel like we really knew where we were. And after a while, that started to wear on me because I was like, 
that's fine for day-to-day living. But when I want to make projections or we have potential big purchases coming up or these other big decisions we want to make as we grow in our life and in our family and in our home, I want to feel like I'm making educated decisions and data-driven decisions, not emotional ones or ones that seem generally fine, which is potentially undermining what could be a storm, you know? So I think it's so scary though, because if there's a potential storm on the horizon, it's almost like, Ooh, I don't really want to have to look at that. (laughs) I don't want to have to make hard changes or life changes, but (laughs) it's like, then you're just making it worse down the road. So I'm glad that you share that part of the story. I want to first start by talk, like with the basics of paying off debt, let's start there. What made you decide to stick to a plan that helped you or what was kind of the plan that you started with? What were some of those first steps you took when you realized this is where you were? Well, you know, the first step, like I said, we had no savings. Um, And so, and our budget was already so tight as it was. So we decided to um, like make our list of debts. You know, we decided to follow what's called the debt snowball method. So we ordered our debts from the smallest balance to the largest balance, um, which the smallest balance was my credit card, which was like right at like $450. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to like really pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to pay that off first before we actually started saving any money, which I know sounds totally crazy, but the reality is we didn't have much wiggle room in the budget because of the minimum payment. Mm -hmm. And so we realized if we paid off that smaller credit card, we could save more money, which is what we ended up doing. And so our first step was for us was to pay off that small debt and then to save up the money in an emergency fund. Um, it still wasn't very much money, but at least it was something there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we started attacking the very next debt on the snowball. And we kept going from there until we finally managed to pay all of that off right before the birth of our third kid. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, I love that. So I'm, I'm actually, I wrote down what you said because I like that there's a little bit of a roadmap here where even just the, the practice of listing off your debts from smallest to largest is so smart because if you look at the debt as a whole, it can feel like, well, that's never going to happen. I'm just stuck here. But if you can actually itemize them and isolate one, each one to its own experience and say, okay, which one is most attainable for me to tackle first? Um, I feel like from even just what you said, that makes it when you can get that win, like, okay, I just paid off $400 of debt. I no longer have credit card debt. That's a huge victory. And it allows you to then take that next step. And I love that you broke it down. One of my, one of the things I always say is incremental, implementable, imperfect action. And I think that applies here completely where it's, I think sometimes we have these big goals. Like I want to pay off 50 grand of debt, or I want to, you know, pay off my student loans or something else. Like I want to start a, a, my own practice, or I want to lose 20 pounds or whatever. We have these big monumental goals. And when we look at those as they are, it can feel like a mountain we're never going to be able to climb. And so what I always say is instead of the kind of key or common phrasing of just take massive imperfect action, I've modified it to be take incremental implementable imperfect action, which is small. It's something that you are capable of doing in the short and near future. It doesn't require you to have a massive, massive, you know, life change or, you know, difference in your resources or your income to be able to take that step. And that really, I think, reflects what you did here, where it said, I'm going to pay off the smallest step first. And then the next thing we're going to do is start funding our emergency fund. Once that win is, win is uh, checked off, then we're going to move into the next debt. I think that makes it attainable and it allows you to feel like you're moving forward when you can break it down into those little bitty action steps that are implementable where you are with what you have. So I love that you did that. I think that's a great uh, digestible way and less intimidating way to start tackling that monster. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like uh, Martin Luther um, King Jr. He's uh, quoted as saying, you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it is, you know, like you just take that really small 
first step and you just keep on taking those small steps after that until before long you look behind you and you're like, oh my gosh, I completed the whole staircase. Mm, Yeah, that's good. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Okay, so from there, I'm curious, what would you say are some practical mindsets that we can have to help us get to this place? If we know we need to take charge of our finances, or we know that there's some baby steps we need to take to start moving more in the right direction or get a clearer financial picture and really know our numbers, either personally or professionally or both, um, what would you say are some practical steps we can take to get started or some practical mindsets that we need to adopt in order to be able to even take those steps? I think the, the first big thing is to understand our own perceptions of money. Um, And then if you're married to also try to understand your spouse's perception of money as well, because um, usually um, polar opposites are married to each other when it comes to money. Mm. Um, And so like for, for me, um, I had to recognize that 
my perception of money was um, I liked having nice cars. Hmm. I had seven cars in 10 years um, because I liked having a car. And I didn't realize that I had built this perception of um, I'm important Hmm. based on my car. I didn't realize I had that perception um, until we got rid of the Tahoe that I had, the fully loaded Tahoe, in exchange for a very well-loved, not quite as nice (laughs) Sequoia while we were on the debt-free journey. Um, it wasn't until that moment that I did not actually understand that I had built this whole perception around, Mm. um, that status symbol. And this is definitely not true for everyone, you know, but a lot of people always are like, oh, it's because you thought that it made you look like you had money. And I was very quick to point out, no, I Mm. never looked at it that way. I always looked at it as like, people saw me as someone important because I didn't show up in a beater, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't realize I had built that from my own childhood because my dad was a rags to riches story. Hmm. I mean, he literally married my mom with $4 in his pocket. And so once he actually, you know, quote unquote made it, he had a new truck every single year. That was like his status symbol. Hmm. And somehow I picked up that perception and morphed it into my own reality. And so I had to own that and realize that my car does not dictate who I am. Um, And it's the same even for my husband because he... He grew up in that weird kind of way where he was like either below the poverty line, on the poverty line, or just slightly above the poverty line. He was never really on either side of that fence. He was always like teetering it when he was mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he's always struggled because he doesn't like it if he looks like he doesn't have money. Whereas that was never my perception. It was more, I just wanted to be seen as important, but mm-hmm. he doesn't like it if he's perceived as not having money, if that makes sense. Hmm. And so I think that for us both to understand each other's perspectives, we, one, can keep each other in line when we start getting out of line. Um, But two, we can also then better manage money because we can kind of rein in the things and pinpoint what is important um, to go back to the to the Tahoe thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Tahoe was fully loaded. It was really nice and everything. But the Sequoia, which does does not have I still have Sequoia, (laughs) Sequoia does not have nearly the amount of bells and whistles that the Tahoe did. But the reality is that the Sequoia still fills the actual need mm-hmm. that we had of the Tahoe, which is to deliver my family safely from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And so when you can start putting things in perspective like that, it helps to mitigate our 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 mindset that tells us we've got to have this, we've got to have that, or we've got to do this or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But understanding how money flows in and out of our own hands is very beneficial to stopping ourselves when we are overspending um, or when we are doing something that maybe is perceived as a, a as not good for our financial health. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So good. I love that you shared that too. Identifying what is something that I am believing I is a need, um, and is it really the only option to fulfill that need? And could there be something that may not make me feel as important or as well, seen as well in society, but it still fulfills that need and makes me a better financial steward? Um, and, and then asking yourself like, which is actually more important? I think is really key. Of like what other people think or where I'm actually at financially or, you know, feeling solid and secure and where I'm at financially or how I am perceived in society. It's like, there's a choice that has to be made there and identifying what makes me worry about this external forward pacing thing. Where's that coming from? I love that you were able to identify that that came from your childhood and rubbed off in kind of your own way, even if it was slightly different. That is so important. It's so easy to forget about. We think of money management simply as the addition and subtraction, the dollar and cents, the checking and the savings. And we often forget that there's a lot of emotional ties that 
indicate and dictate yes. our decisions, um, whether we are more abundance minded or more scarcity minded, like all those different things, where, whether we care about status symbols, like why are all of those things indicating and influencing the way that we spend money, utilize money, you know, uh, purchase things. So that is so important. I'm glad that you brought that up. I am also curious when you were growing your family and paying off debt, what would you say was the hardest sacrifice that you had to make and how did you make it? Was it the car thing or was there something else? Dive into that. For oh, me a it bit. was definitely the car. It was definitely <laughs> the car. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> it was definitely the car. I always, it's so funny. I always feel really weird sharing this story because like to, to so many people they could care less, less what car they drive mm-hmm. whereas like me I could care less what size house I live in I could live in a, a tiny home and be totally content with life mm-hmm. and that would be fine mm-hmm. um but like for me my car was my thing yeah. and I will never forget neither will my husband ever when we left the dealership because we found a dealership that was willing to buy back my Tahoe we had to give them like $1,200 to finish paying off the loan mm-hmm. and then we bought cat or paid cash for my Sequoia And I remember pulling out of that dealership, looking at the Tahoe in the mirror and bawling my eyes out. And my husband was like, are you okay? Like, for real, what is wrong? And I'm like, I like I and that's when I own up that I had to put so much um, value of my identity in there. And I, I was having to let it go. And that was so hard for me. It was so hard, which just seems so ridiculous. And I'm so grateful I went through that because there have definitely been times now that we are 100 percent debt free and we have a paid for home and everything that i've actually found myself going well i like the suburban over there hmm. suburban looks pretty nice mm-hmm. you know and my husband has to be like um honey honey chill out you're fine <laughs> <laughs> but like you know i have to constantly remind myself <laughs> that's great you know what's funny is my husband and i are the opposite like he the way he looks at cars i'm like well you know what i'm glad you look at cars and not women that way <laughs> And I honestly could care less about cars. I'm like, does it have wheels? Does it drive? Great. But he, so I, I'm very familiar with that. Kind of like you said, sometimes you marry your spouse. That's or your, your spouse is sometimes the opposite. That is hundred percent us. So you are kind of him in the car situation and kind of uh, vice versa. He always talks about like the, the big truck that he wants or just these different things. And, um, I'm different and other things that I really value, you know? So it's so interesting, um, the way that we are kind of hardwired and different that way and have to, I think that's like, so cool though how a lot of times we are different in the things that we tend to uh, desire or you know want to spend on because then there's that chance of it's like that yin and yang right it's like you can hold your hold each other accountable a little bit there's a little bit of a balance there most of the time so um that's funny okay I'm glad that you shared the, that honesty about the sacrifice of the car that is very real and I think everyone has their thing whether it's clothing or shoes or cars or vacations or homes or something else so that's awesome I am wondering did you ever go through feeling like um money owned your decisions rather than owning your own money decisions and how did you break free of that mindset Oh, yes, definitely. Um, you know, so right before we um, we started the whole debt-free journey, so this was like shortly before we found out that we were expecting baby number two. My husband, he's, he's a contractor, and at the time he was working for a real small construction company, and he ended up falling out of a two-story window oh, on wow. the job. And he shattered his left wrist and fractured his right elbow, and he's left-handed. And so he could not like obviously use either arm. And the problem was, is that when I took him to the hospital, we told him that obviously it was a work-related injury. We explained everything that happened. What we did not know is that his boss did not have workman's comp insurance. (gasps) So of course our health insurance completely kicked out the claim because it was a work-related injury. 
And then we're sitting there left with this surgery my husband had to have because he was about to lose all mobility in his hand. His, his wrist was completely shattered. He needed to have a metal plate put in his wrist. And so we were going to have to pay for this surgery in order for my husband to actually retain mobility in his mm. dominant hand. And I remember standing there at the little surgery center and the lady telling me they would not wheel my husband back until I gave her money. Oh, <laughs> I literally remember gosh. saying this to me. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I wrote a check for almost the exact dollar amount that was in our savings account at the time. And wow. I remember crying, handing it to her and sitting there going, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously we paid that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we started 2013, which is when we started our debt-free journey. So we started it with no savings. It had been completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then Christmas followed immediately after this. And of course, then we found out we were expecting baby number two and all of that. And so all of that kind of compounded on itself. And we really did find ourselves feeling like we were being owned by our situations and our circumstances and by mm-hmm. our money um, versus actually taking ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of comes back to that whole sitting down and writing it all out on paper. And I like, I can't like stress how important it really is to do that just because it gets it out of your head it gets it off the computer screen it gets Mm -hmm. it in front of you and you can't deny it anymore and the moment that we put that there then that's when we actually were able to take ownership over our money and figure out our strategy and figure out where we were going to go from there because it really was a scary situation to be in because we were still fighting with his boss to get the money back from the surgery which they never gave back to us Mm -hmm. but we were in that position and he was in a position of trying to get another job because obviously he didn't want to work for that guy anymore. Right. So we were in this whole big transition period, but having that on paper and in front of us, it really did help kind of just bring everything back down to earth. And it allowed us to step into the driver's seat versus just kind of allowing all the kind of the balls to hit us instead of, you know, a swing in the bat. Right. Right. Man, that's so frustrating though. It's like, we just put this whole emergency fund away. I guess that's kind of the point of having an emergency fund though. It's like, thank God that was there. Um, but exactly. at the same time, exactly. it's, <laughs> it's like a blessing and a burden at the same time. Cause you're like, wait a second, I just spent all this time trying to fund this, but I'm that's wow. And did he ever, did, this is a little unrelated, but I'm just curious. Did he fully recover? Did he re- maintain mobility? What ended up happening with that? Yes. Yes. He, um, yeah, he did end up, um, fully recover from it. Um, he's still like, he gets like the weather related, mm-hmm. like soreness in his hand now mm-hmm. from it. And of course, like it goes off at airports, but other than that, like, yeah, he was able to retain his mobility and everything, thankfully, but yeah, it's it was really crazy because his hand was so swollen. Like they had to cut off his wedding ring and everything. Like, oh it was, wow, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he's okay and that hopefully that investment was worth it. Um, okay, I'm yes. Curious. I mean that like I mean that was the worst phone call ever. Like, oh, I, I bet. Was like, oh my god, what happened to my husband? I bet. Poor guy. <laughs> it was so but... much worse. Thankfully, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, okay, I want to switch gears here a little bit, not to change the story because that's a very interesting story. Um, but I'm wondering, and I think probably our listeners are wondering, you started this debt, debt-free journey, you said in 2013. And then like you've mentioned, you've had, you had these different setbacks and different pieces like that along the way, which I think happens no matter how well you plan your finances, right? So we've got to give ourselves a little grace and understand that life happens. Um, but how long did it actually take for you to become debt-free? To become consumer debt-free, it took us two years. So to pay off all of our consumer debts, the credit cards, and of course, to get rid of the Tahoe in my student loans, 
that was at two years. And then to become 100% debt free, that actually took us six years. Okay. 100% debt free. Okay. And that, what you mean by that is also paying off a house, I'm assuming? Yes. 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 Okay. Cool. So I just want to differentiate those terms for everyone. So consumer debt is like student loans, it's credit card loans, it's car payments, it's anything that you've kind of bought on credit, right? Or if you bought, let's say, a new washing machine and it's six payments or whatever, those types of things would be considered yes. consumer debt versus a different type of debt, which is mortgage debt. And there's that's just a little bit different in how it works. Do you want to explain a little bit of why that's considered a little different? Um, yes, because it's typically with um, like property or like real estate, that's classified more as an investment mm-hmm. because it usually appreciates in value instead of depreciates like a car does, mm-hmm. which is why like it is usually not classified as like a consumer debt because you're technically not like consuming anything. You're like investing your money into it, if that makes sense. Right, right. Okay. Just wanted to make that differentiation because... I didn't know if everyone knew. And now we've, now we know. All right, great. Um, So I want to know how living debt-free changed your spending habits long-term. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yes. So um, what's funny because we went through, you know, we were deep in trying to pay off all of our consumer debt. Like we didn't spend pretty much any money at all ever, like only to buy groceries and put fuel in the car and pay bills. And that was essentially it. We didn't do anything. And I remember that after we became consumer debt free, we went on our very first family vacation. And I remember both me and my husband felt so awkward and weird about spending money hmm. at the beach. Hmm. We were both like, oh my God, like we can, we can just spend money. Like nobody's going to come after us. Like we can just spend money. Wow, <laughs> like, it was yeah. so weird. And so it's funny how like we had to kind of pull ourselves out of that like scarcity mindset, I guess. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, but then we also have to be careful that we don't fall into like an abundance mindset because there's not just an abundant flow of money. Like we have to still live by a budget, but it really changed us in developing the habits to stick to, to stick to a budget and to stick to tracking our spending and just being mindful and aware of what we are doing with our money. Because, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like even when we've gotten like a, a bonus check or something like that, like we always immediately are like, Hey, where's this going? Because we know that if it just sits in the checking account, it might just disappear hmm. and we got to have a plan for it. And so by being able to have that now, have those conversations where we're like, okay, what's the plan with us? Like that is where it fundamentally changed is that now we, you know, we dictate a plan and we figure out what we want to do with our money and where we want it to go. And it's always like going towards some goal versus before where we were just kind of like, we were just kind of like going through the motions really of just like, not just with our money, but kind of with life because we didn't really know how to like, live our dreams we didn't know how to find our dreams and live them we didn't know how to go after them but now that we no longer have this burden and this chain of debt anymore we're free to live those dreams and to go chase after those things which is amazing yeah yeah which sounds like you have an abundance mindset but I actually the way when you said that I was like you know that's a good point I think it'd be helpful to maybe define scarcity versus abundance too because it can mean a lot of different things to different people when you just hear those words kind of like you said like if you take on too much of an abundance mindset you can start overspending right so I I think like I want to define those words for our listeners so that they can understand like how can I operate out of a, a mindset of abundance, even if I don't necessarily have an abundance of money sitting there for me to just spend frivolously. Um, so can, do you mind if I do that really quick? I found a really great little uh, tool Absolutely. by Michael Hyatt, actually, that defines them. So scarcity mindset, these are the different thoughts or like um, approaches under a scarcity mindset. It says the thought that there is never enough. Um, you're stingy with knowledge, contacts, and compassion. You kind of hold your, your 
your cards really close to your chest, your chest and don't trust. Um, you are very uh, suspicious and it's hard to build trust with you, especially around things like money, things that are really sensitive. Um, you resent competition, anyone who's doing better than you. You ask yourself, how can I get by with less than I expected to have what I less than I expected to have? So it almost seems impossible to like you said, like we talked about changing your lifestyle or living on less. Um, you're pessimistic about the future and tough times that are ahead. You think small and avoid risk and are entitled and fearful. So if any of those really resonate with you, that's more of a scarcity mindset. An abundance mindset is kind of operating from the mindset that there's always more where that came from. But I think it's important to identify that that doesn't mean you just spend like money grows on trees. It just means that you are open-minded to the fact that I can find a way to make money. It's going to like, if I, you know, you kind of operate with that mindset. Um, other thoughts or kind of approaches that you are happy to share knowledge, contacts, and compassions. You're open-handed with your resources and your, and your connections. You, um, and, and you believe that by doing that, it's not going to harm your own success. You understand that there's enough for everyone. You are, um, it's difficult or it's, you default to building trust. You build trust easily. You welcome in competitors. It makes, you realize it makes the pie larger and it makes them stronger. So again, it's the idea of like, just because they made 60 grand this year doesn't mean that I'm suddenly not going to make money, right? Or just because my neighbor got a raise doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills and I'm less than, okay? Um, another abundance mindset is when you ask yourself, how can I give more than is, than is expected? So the difference between that and the scarcity mindset is how can I get by with less than expected? How is this going to be possible? That's scarcity. Abundance asks, how can I give more than expected? Um, you are optimistic about the future and, the and you believe that the best is yet to come. You think big and you embrace risk and you are thankful and confident. So I just wanted to highlight those because I think sometimes in the money conversation, when we hear scarcity or, or abundance, it can be confusing what that means. If you're like, I hardly have enough to get by, how do I not operate out of scarcity? It's not that you're not realistic about that. It's just saying, okay, but I don't have to be afraid of you know, the future. I don't need to be fearful. I don't need to hold my car cards close to my chest and believe that if anyone else near me succeeds, that's gonna hurt my, my chances. You know, So it's just keeping like, how am I viewing money? How am I viewing generosity? How am I viewing how that it, how that um, affects my relationships. So anyways, I'm glad you kind of brought that up and touched on that because I really think that learning those differences is really helpful even when you are on the journey to pay off debt or you are making those lifestyle changes, understanding that, okay, this is a season. I can still be you know, open-handed and I don't have to be fearful. So it sounds like you guys really embrace that, which I think is great. Um, I just rambled for a long time. Hopefully well, y'all are still with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. No, I completely agree because, um, you know, and thank you for um, sharing that from Michael Hyatt. Absolutely love Michael Hyatt. Yes. But, um, so, yeah, like when, like one of the things that shortly after we became consumer debt free, um, some friends of ours, um, his wife was pregnant with twins and she ended up going into to labor at 21 weeks. And the twins were delivered and they were literally million dollar babies. And so they needed like, money in order to be able to, to pay these hospital bills, right. insurance wasn't covering everything. Did you say 21 and weeks? That, yes. And they survived. Wow. So the, the twins wow. are wonderful. They're super healthy. They're wonderful. And oh, I just remember gosh. like my husband, he called me up and he's like, how much money do you think we can get? Hmm. And, you know, and I remember looking and I was like, well, we can give $500. Hmm. My husband's like, all right, do it. Hmm. So I gave $500 and um, the, the husband actually called my, uh, my husband and crying, thanking him because that $500 was exactly what I needed to be able to pay the very next medical bill. Mm. And I just remember 
going like, you know what, like two years ago, we would not have even had five dollars to give somebody. Hmm. And the fact that we were able to give five hundred dollars without fear of what was going to happen to our family Mm -hmm. was absolutely worth it. Hmm. It was worth that 10 times over. And we've done that now several different times. We've been able to to give all sorts of denominations of money away that we that like we never had to fear if our family was going to have food or not. And mm-hmm. that is such a blunder. And, you know, being able to move on from that, that scarcity mindset into having that abundance mindset where you don't have to fear, um, you know, if there is going to be enough money because you know that there is going to be enough money. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It really yeah. is. You know, I think that's so important too. like taking charge of your finances not only does it allow you to operate with more clarity and be a better steward, but it also allows you to be more generous and make a bigger like impact. Like you said, like you can make a bigger impact when you have that. And I think, I think sometimes there's a lot of fear around, you know, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be, it's like, no, just get your money in order because that's going to allow you to be a vessel, to be a better tool, to, you know, bless other people. And if you choose to do that, which is what a person who operates out of an abundance mindset does. So I love that story. I love when things just add up almost like this is the exact amount we needed. Um, That's incredible. Such a beautiful story. And I just want to highlight getting your money in order doesn't just get your money in order. It allows you to be more generous. So thank you for sharing that piece (laughs) of that story. That's amazing. Um, I'm curious too, what piece of advice or what several pieces of advice, whatever you want to share, um, do you have for those wanting to attain a debt-free life, but struggle with either commitment or awareness that they need to make it happen? Um, my best advice is to sit down and write down the exact amount of money sitting in your checking account and then write out like list out all the bills that are due between now and your next paycheck, write down how much you need to spend at the grocery store, how much you need to buy for fuel in your car, bus fare, subway fare, and subtract that out and see where you stand and let that be the starting point. And from there to listing out, you know, your debts in order from the smallest balance to the largest balance, you know, list out how much you have in savings or how much you want to have in savings Mm -hmm. and start figuring out from that, that, itemize a list that you just made from your checking account with all your expenses. Okay. Can I add maybe like a $20 expense here so I can put that into savings or, you know, $5 into savings or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so just taking that one little small bit will help build up, you know, whatever your big goal is, um, whether it is to pay off debt, to save money, to get your finances in order, just by taking those little small actions, you will end up getting there and they will create bigger and larger actions in the future. So good. Simple, hard, but good. <laughs> I know it's not easy, <laughs> but we are cheering for you guys. And um, Jesse, thank you so much for sharing your story and for the insight and for the tips and advice and practical real life look into, hey, this isn't going to happen overnight. If you're getting your money in order, get the clarity. You can do that in a couple hours. If you lay everything out, start by tackling the small things first and you know, understand that this doesn't go away or necessarily happen within a week. It sometimes can be a two to six year process. And as long as you can stay committed with that. And another thing I would say, and you've probably already, you already have touched on this as we talked, but just adding that accountability piece and having people who are on this journey with you. It's just like, think about when you go to the gym and if you're trying to put on muscle weight or gain 10 pounds or lose 10 pounds or whatever it looks like, having a running buddy or a workout buddy is usually really helpful. So whether that's your spouse or another couple who's going on this journey with you, um, I think can make a really huge difference too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think sometimes we all just need that. We all just need that accountability and to feel like we're not the only ones who aren't going out to eat all the time, you know? So, uh, that's great. I am so thankful. Where can everyone find you and learn more from you? 
Um, well, I'm at jessiefarron.com, um, and all of my social media is at jessiefarron as well. Um, I know my last name is a little weird, but, you know, my husband was a football player. He likes to tell people, turn the fear on. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's easy. Well, we'll link your social media and your website in the show notes so that people can find it. Jesse, thanks so much for being on. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.